What's up, everyone? Welcome to 614 Headsets. We're your host, Donovan. Say hello to everybody. What's up, everyone? Happy Wednesday night, Thursday morning for everyone listening and viewing. Got a good one tonight. Mr. All Gas. How we feeling? Episode 9, but still feels like we're on episode 1 or 2 with the excitement of this one. And then tonight's honorary guest, Marad Holiday. Say hello to everybody. Hey, what's going on, man? Appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully, this is not the last time you got me on here. <laughs> Tom Brady said it best. Football is unconditional love, and we're a bunch of guys who couldn't agree more. We're a bunch of coaches, even our guest tonight from the 614 Columbus area. We're a little biased. We think it's some of the best football probably in the country. But here we are all off coming here again after a practice. We can't get enough of it. Donovan, tell them what we got in store for today. As you mentioned, we're super excited to sit down and talk with Coach Holiday. No matter how bad his background is right now, I'll forgive you, Coach Holiday. We're going to give him our pick six segment, which he has no idea what kind of questions. We're going to ask him classic all gas segment from Ryan Sayers and then a couple of football dynasty talks before going in a deep dive with Coach Holiday. Um, so very excited for today's episode. I can't wait, and I can already tell Coach Holiday is just a little nervous about what the boys <laughs> might say. Hey, before we get started, hey, Fundraising University Ohio offers a variety of fundraising efforts that helps football teams run profitable, effective, and fast-paced fundraisers designed to raise the most money in the shortest amount of time to reach their fundraising goals. Fundraising University Ohio is locally owned, operated, and with their six-step blitz system will help your team maximize profits. As the current coach himself, Brent Maxwell, happy birthday, Brent. With Fundraising University, we'll sit down and help you pick, plan, strategize, and execute your fundraiser that will allow you as a coach to focus on your practice time, prep time, player development, and personal time. Fundraising University Ohio offers 60-minute donation platforms, digital and hard discount cards, and Fundraising University will put in all that work to make your life stress-free. If you're interested in running a fundraiser with Brent, please contact him at bmaxwell at fundraisingtheletteru.net or 740-501-8946 to learn how to get started with the fundraising. It's not too late to get started now. Make the most of your summer. Help your team out. Brent's a great guy to do it. Let's get it started, boys. Man, this is an amazing time because Coach Holiday has no idea what might come out of my mouth right now, and I just love it. I can feel his anxiety. But tonight, one of my best friends, colleague, assistant coach, but just truly what I would consider one of my best friends, Murad Holiday, a Whitehall legend. You can't go anywhere in Columbus without somebody knowing him. I swear every time, I, the longer I know him, the more I learn about this guy. He was 1994 All-State. He holds the Rams record for leading scorer, single-season rushing coach. To correct me if I'm wrong, I went on a deep dive today. Oh, boy. The high hurdles record for the Rams. I didn't know them legs could get up like that. <laughs> 1993 State Basketball Runner-Up, Super 25 Offensive Player of the Year, Play of the Year with Andy Katzemoyer, Big 33 Goes on to Kent State, you name it, man. Honor all Hall of Fame for the Rams last year, I think, right? Cam to yeah. accept the award for you while we were playing. Just in a, an amazing 
long career for this guy. And it was amazing because a lot of this was before the internet even was around. So I was surprised to even find some of this on the internet. So I'm glad my stats are right here, Coach. So thanks for coming on. Coach, just talk to us about your journey to as a player to where you're at today as a coach. Fill our viewers in. All right. Obviously, I am from Whitehall. Whitehall. Went to Whitehall Union High School. Ended up playing at Kent State University. Go Flashes. Went from there and then got into coaching. The background is I got a little tie with Coach Sayers a little bit. I grew up in the city. My mother was the head track and head volleyball coach at South High School for 15 years. She was also the head track and volleyball coach at Marion Franklin High School for 20. So she did 35 years of being head coach in two different sports. So I either grew up in the gym at the start of the season or start of the school year and ended up on the track at the end of the season. It, that's where it came from. That's where the passion came from as far as coaching. Played it, like I said, played at Kent State, went to Whitehall, went back to Whitehall and volunteered for a little bit, coached there for a little bit. My head coach from Whitehall was the head coach at Gehanna Lincoln High School, Mike Lanza. I had an opportunity to go over there and coach. I thought that was an awesome opportunity to be able to be coached by and coached with your head coach from high school. So I had that opportunity, did that for two years, then stayed with Coach Snow for a couple years, birth of my son, had some things going on, took a year off, came back and coached at Pickering and Central for a little bit. And I've been with Coach Ward for the past 10 years uh, since he got the job at Gehanna. So that's my journey. Coach, I'm a grinder. I'm a coach by heart. I don't know if I see myself doing anything else right now, but yeah. So that's a little snippet as far as my journey and how I got to it. So it went to Kent as a running back. And what year did you get moved to the defensive side of the ball? My red shirt freshman year came in as a running back. I know I'm a little spelt now, but I was probably 100 and 150 pounds, 155 pounds soaking wet. Back in the day, that's I formation. That's John Cooper. That's Eddie George type times I didn't fit the mold as far as power running at and Kent was doing that as well so got switched over to corner played corner there started the last two years at corner at Kent State you know. it's funny you mentioned that because I, I joked on here and everybody knows this but I did a little deep dive and Coach Holiday has a little 10 minute highlight film which we'll tweet out for you after this episode so oh, you can man. all see it you gotta see it but I thought the same thing as I watched your highlight I always envisioned what would you have looked like in the spread offense? I thought just to, to lighten that box for you a little bit and to see the way you run and do things, I think you would have fit perfectly in it, not taking anything you did then. But I, a number one thought that came to my mind, imagine this guy running the ball in, a, in a today's type of a spread offense. And that's funny you said that. Before I love, love watching highlight tapes that aren't on huddle. <laughs> it's not yeah. on huddle. It's, it's good. Gritty. It's a gritty, gritty highlight film, man. This VHS tape. You tape over it so you can record something over top of it. That's what it was back in the day, man. We didn't have all this streaming and all this other stuff. It was shared I, tapes. I promise to put it out after oh, you put the episodes goodness. with or with. I'll add a little extra link for it. I promise so everybody <laughs> could see it. Coach, we got a fantastic segment everybody loves here called the Pick 6 segment. You love Pick 6s with that defense. And last year, you guys got a lot of them. In fact, one time it kept me up in the press box for 10 minutes doing nothing. So thanks a lot, Coach. But you did pad the stats, so I appreciate it. Hey, Coach it. Holiday, the thing is, I'm a defensive guy. I, absolutely. I, you know, I, this was the segment that I, I – that's absolutely. why we named it that. I, absolutely. I love it. It's a good name. And it's about time that some defensive guys get on here, man. There's been a lot of offense, a lot of fluff going on, man. We need some defensive gritty guys on here. <laughs> a lot of pretty boys on here lately. <laughs> 
So as we keep as we push this along, the pick six segment. We got six random questions that you have no idea what's coming at you, Donovan. Throw them out, man. All right. First part of this, Coach, are you a is Kent State your only college team, or are you a Buckeye fan too? I am a Buckeye fan. You are a Buckeye fan, or not a Buckeye? I am a Buckeye fan. Would you rather your college football team you can pick Buckeyes or Kent State? win a championship next year, or would you rather the Raiders win a championship next year? Guaranteed, you get to pick one or the other. Can't be both. I got to I gotta go with my silver and black, man. I got to go with it. Yeah. I got to go with Listen, this is a side story. I started liking the Raiders back in the NWA thing, man. I used to wear a corduroy LA Kings hat. I used to corduroy Raiders hat. That's where I grew up. So that's when I started falling in love with the Raiders, man. I just want them to be successful, so – I love yeah. it. They won't, but next question. You're a commander fan or whatever. Don't know who the commanders are. Oh, okay. But next question. This one is a tough one. My fiance posed this to me, and this was a tough one. Would you rather be the only person in a world of flying cars to have a car that drives on the road or be the only person in a world where everybody drives on the road like normal, but you're the only person in the world with a flying car? You see that scenario that's going right there? It's, it was tough because you either get the roads to yourselves or you get the skies yeah. to yourselves. I like to fly. Easy. I'm flying. Yeah, it's easy. I'm, I'm picking I'm the driving. I'm moving and flying, man. I'm moving drive, flying. I'd rather be the guy that gets I'm anywhere faster than anybody exactly. else. I'm flying, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving. You get driving? You have to go 100. Yeah, 100%. Now, the road trip, that would suck. Yeah. Why well, I'm already I'm there flying. waiting for you. Have you ever heard the – you're too young for this, but have you ever heard the saying, as the crow flies? I think so, but is that just like a normal saying? Like, you know, <laughs> what does you that got, have to you, do with the straight line? Straight line. A straight line to your destination is faster than a road. You're going to go on all these twisty turn roads. You're going to get up in the sky and be the only guy there and have a straight line there. Sayers, are you as baffled as I am that that came out? Like, why don't you just say that the quickest way from point A to B is a straight line? So why because don't I, you it's an age-old saying, Coach Oz. Uh, we know it's an age-old saying. We know it's because we I'll know it's an age old. You trying to show your age now too. <laughs> All right, Sayers, give him your question. Start to be in the Renaissance, man. All right, here yeah, we go. So this one was brought up in summer school, just like between the teachers. Coach, you teach too, right? Yes, I'm yeah, in okay. the specials like you, my man. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. See, now this is a perfect question for you. What's the craziest or funniest? email you've ever came across from a parent like email name like their name like that name and then at gmail or att i don't know i don't know if i can say it on here there's a lot of kind of crazy i already know yeah there's a lot of names the funniest pg one i would say that's a tough question it's tough that's a tough question that's a good question (laughs) i don't even i don't even know man you got. I think you got me stumped. All right, Ryan. Save the question. You tell us one of yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're hilarious. You have a, you have the big, bad, and beautiful at like gmail.com. I've had what was like the dirty stink at gmail. Like it's kind of it's there's some off the chain ones, man. Yeah. I, and there's worse. There's a lot more rated R ones. But Coach Holiday, there we go. I got the. I got a double. That was first question on the Big Six segment. <laughs> I win that one. Maybe this one's gonna stump you too because we we had a question with the students. I hope you can answer this one though. 
regular because okay. my students and I were having this debate today. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not? I like this. Is is a hot dog a sandwich? I just think that's another dog. brutal question. Hey, I'm coming today. I, told I think you. a hot dog is just a hot dog. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's a sandwich. It's just a hot dog. I agree. When we're talking sandwiches, we're going classic. You got your different meats, your cheeses, yeah. whatever else. A hot dog's a hot dog. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've had I had students that disagree with that. I'm gonna agree with you. Everybody here that it's just a hot dog. It can't be a sandwich. But there was a mad debate today about it's a sandwich because it has the bun, the two sides, and some meat in the middle. I was like, no, but it's not. It's usually not connected. Right. Way to really stick to them content standards today in summer school. Right? Good job. <laughs> All right, Coach. If you could hang the lunch handout, Kyle. Relax. <laughs> if you could hang out with any cartoon character, who would you choose and why? Cartoon character. I don't know. And this might show my age, man. I was a big right. He-Man, He-Man guy back in the day, man. It shows my age a little bit, but I loved He-Man. And so I'd hang out with He-Man. Anybody else got one? Does it have to be cartoon or can it just be like not a superhero? We know he loves superheroes. <laughs> so hey, I'll throw hey, that out there. I got two, man. I'm going with Popeye because we're gonna get a it's real Popeye. juicy pump. Or here's a dark horse, Roger Rabbit. You're gonna have a story to remember by the end of Roger Rabbit. Mm. I don't know. What, I don't know what that is. Oh my god! Hey, Roger Dang, Rabbit. You know what that is? You're gonna have a. And you I don't know what it is Las either. Vegas hangover, right? I do know what those are. I'm not going to lie. I do know what Roger Rabbit is. But, hey, I was going to say Popeye as well. That was going to be mine. I was choosing Popeye for sure. I was oh, yeah. And I'm going to smash some of that spinach. Coach, last like question. Things. What's your go-to snack? Go-to snack? Yeah, other than sunflower seeds. Yeah, I like sunflower seeds. Every once in a while, man, I'm a zinger guy, man. I like having a little zinger. Talking about the KFC little sandwiches? Yeah. The hostess, zingers. hostess zingers. Yeah. Hostess zingers. What's a hostess zinger? It's just a little, I don't know, just a small little cupcake, vanilla. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm a zinger guy, man. That's a unique thing right there. But here's the thing. that Let me just ask you another one because now we kicked the field goal, so here's point seven after the pick six since you couldn't answer my first question. <laughs> if you were eating Doritos – would you rather have Cool Ranch or the Nacho Cheese? What type cool of ranch. Cool Ranch? Cool Ranch. That's not oh, even the question. Hey, you know what combination I figured out in college? Maybe it didn't figure out. Cool Ranch Doritos and Chipotle. I always buy the bag from the vending machine. Game changer. It's never got the Chipotle chips. Always at a Cool Ranch Dorito bag. It was so good. Really? Yep. Okay. That's the way to go. Yeah, I'm a Cool Ranch guy, man. I love Cool Ranch. And when I get a chance to eat some Doritos, I don't eat Doritos a lot, but when I eat them, it's Cool Ranch. Nacho yeah. cheese is all right. But I got to roll with Cool Ranch. I like that. Love it. All right. We get in the all gas segment. Sarah, is you ready for this? Man, I'm all gas. Of hey, course. You, there you no are all gas. Here, brother. All right. Let's get into it. Sayers, take it away. First one. Most dominant edition. This is my this is a great one because we have a great running back on here tonight. So I like this question. 
who is the most dominant running back of all time in the NFL? And so go ahead. Let's see. Obviously, Mo will start us off since he's our guest of honor. Okay. The guy is right on the front, Jim Brown. Obviously, I didn't have an opportunity to see him, but, you know, what? as a running back, I researched him a lot, man. And nine years, nine Pro Bowls, 15,000 career yards. Or I think Jim Brown was one of the best. And I'm not a Browns fan. I see you with the Browns quarter zip on right there. But well, Jim Brown. This will get brought up later. I'll bring it up why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm but yeah, Jim Brown. If you were wondering, Jim Brown. Jim Brown's my guy. Love it. Stout, give us yours. I wanted to hear your. This was hard for me, and a little bit of this had to be with the next section because we're all so torn or similar. I really love Jim Brown too, but I had to go with Emmett Smith. I had to go with that all-time rushing leader, all-time rushing touchdowns, just. Such an amazing vision and balance and speed and big playability. And it got plugged earlier. Reminded me a lot of a, a holiday. Coach Holiday had a little Emmett Smith shifty to him, the balance, the spin. I saw a little Emmett Smith in him. So I had to honor the great Emmett Smith. I love it. All right. Donnie Mac, go ahead. You got it. Yeah, maybe this is showing my age because he's not as old as some of the other ones you guys picked. I went Adrian Peterson. I think he's just such a beast in – I know this is only through NFL, but all throughout high school, college, NFL, with how much power he had, which still how fast he was, how athletic he was. And I – like, he was, like, in that era of the highlights I grew up in slash watching a bit, like, towards the middle part of his career. I was starting to really like football. And then he played for the Redskins in 2019, 2019 I think, 2018, 2019 – and it was like his last ditch effort, I think, to have one more year where he could give anything. And he emptied the juice in the tank. Like he emptied it all out. And he was a beast at whatever age he was at the very end of his career, long career for running backs. And I just saw that. And I'm like, man, this guy's an all-time great. I know the stats like aren't up the very top, but man, he was a beast. A healthy AP, though, is a good argument. Like mm-hmm. you can look at that small window when he was really doing his thing. And I could, see, I love that little take because you could make the argument. I think that's a very interesting take. You can do that. Healthy AP, I, I'm with it. I think the AP provided with Henry. I think Henry and AP run mm. similar, very tall, straight up runners, very fast and physical. So I think that he set the tone as far as the big, tall running backs because the AP was pretty good. Is he that tall? He was his running right style, he ran really tall. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so I think that he set the tone as far as that. He went to the Redskins just to make some money. He didn't really, you know. He did pretty well. Was. Alex Smith wouldn't have gotten hurt. We probably would have gone to the NFC Championship with Ryan, yours threw me for an absolute loop, dude, when I read it. But I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I agree. I agree a little bit. Go ahead. What's my last name, Coach Stout? Sayers. So here we go. Mine is going to have to be my uncle, Gail Sayers. Okay? The, look, listen, these stats are crazy, okay? People don't realize this. Is he the really only- your uncle, or are you just saying that? <laughs> Bro, don't start. That's my uncle. Leave it at that. Yeah. Hey, so here's All our right, thing. Go ahead. Right? Leave it at that. Stop. Stop. Relax. Okay. <laughs> I know it's practice might have been tough today, but chill out. Okay. So here's our thing. 
he played only 68 games, right? Okay, if he plays only 68 games, and that's it, and he was literally all pro five consecutive years in a row, okay, he averaged 6.2 yards per carry through those years, okay, as his rookie year, he had 14 touchdowns that year. Then also for three years of the, like, league that he was in there, he led in all-purpose yards for all three years. And he has my last name. He's a dog. That's just what it has to be. He's the number one. He's the most dominant one of this time from when he played. Not longevity, just of his time. Can I ask a hot take question? And maybe Stout and Holiday, you'll have a different take. But when Sayers, you bring up a guy like Gail Sayers, and I see the number 1965 to 67 all-purpose yards and this and that in the 60s. I don't value football as much from the 1960s as I do or before as I do from football like 1980 past because I'm going to say this. I've said this before, and maybe this is a hot take. I think any Mac team right now, Mac team right now, would smoke any team from the 1960s and smoke a team full of Gale Sayers. I just think that the differences in physicality was so different back then it's like it's hard to watch it now. Granted, like I've heard people like, oh, like you can't see it as much because like the film was so grainy and so slow. So it's like hard to see it. But I just don't value it as much from 1950s and 60s football. Like I just don't. I look at it. I'm like, oh, OK, like whatever. Move on. Coach Holiday, you want to pick this apart first and I'll go second. Absolutely. First of all, I brought the Gail Sayers jersey out. Ow. It was autographed. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Wow. So that's number one. That's pretty number cool. two. My favorite book. Co- and hey, coach, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Before go you go on. Okay. And guess what? This I know what you're gonna say. It's the only book I've ever read in my entire life without okay. using spark notes, just so you know. But can you wear that to our seven on seven? I don't know. That thing's autographed, man. You can't wear that. I'm trying to frame the plastic. He ain't taking it out. No, I just haven't framed it yet, but it's right here, man. It's autographed, ready to go. Now. That is beautiful. The movie or the show, my favorite book is called I Am Third. Okay. And it's called, it's it's off of Brian's song. And it talks about Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers hurt his knee and Brian Piccolo took over and they became friends. And then Brian Piccolo uh, got sick got sick and they kind of continue to kind of be good friends. It's a great book. So I don't know Only if that's book. the same thing you're talking about. Coach, I've never, I never read the books I was required to read in school. I hit them spark notes, but that's the only book I've ever read. Really, Favorite book. Favorite great book. Movie. Still got it here. Love great it. Movie. Gil Sayers is a great running back. Great running back. I, here's my personal take. I think Part of the reason why you could maybe make that argument is today's athletes, and this happens every decade, the athletes continue to get bigger, stronger, faster. But I'll say football is cyclical and always goes back to a lot of those concepts. If you think about where things are at today, the modern spread is just an evolution of where things were then. And I think things always go back to it. I think you're starting to see college and the NFL – move away and move into some different formations of things. Mm -hmm. But look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid is scouring old tapes from those 50s and 60s and coming up with really creative plays from that era. I don't think you can discount the creativity of guys in that age. Just because they maybe don't look the part or the game looks a little slower 
or the linemen aren't as big. The X's and O's and the creativity in that era is still just as magical then as it is today. And that's just my take. I uh, think the uh, – Go ahead, Alder. No, go ahead. You go. I was going to say, I think the legacy and the foundation that, like, the players or the legendary Dolphins team that they built and that the hype and the history and the creativity, like you mentioned, Stout, for the game then and all the way to now, you can't disrespect and you can't forget about – I always just look at it and it's like when people talk about oh, they put like an all time NFL list together for top 10 players or quarterbacks or DNs. And I see, or oh, I'm in, and I see one included from back then. I'm like, I get like that they were good at football. They were smart. They had creative concepts and they literally built the game from the ground up. But it's, I just, like you said, I look at the way the game has evolved physically for these guys and I recognize like, the backups in the NFL today would be the greatest players of all time in the 1950s and 60s. Like that's in- really hard to compare. Like you can't hold that against them. No, they're, they're I, great yeah. and perform great in their era. Yes, and, and I, just, I think I respect that. It's just the hard part of comparing. Like when you talk about all time, like when you talk about all time great basketball, we can compare Jordan and LeBron. No, you right? can't. Blizzards. No, you can't well, we, compare I'm, Jordan I'm, and LeBron. I'm with you because Jordan's number one. I'm with you. No, you right? can't. LeBron's doing him dirty in every game. What? That's enough of that. That's that. I'm telling you, Jordan's not Jordan even holding his jockstrap. I'm listen, telling you. That's listen, enough listen, of that. Listen, Moving LeBron, on. Literally, Jordan's calling LeBron daddy. Yeah. Listen, listen. <laughs> Obviously, we're older. We were in the Jordan era. I you wasn't, knew, and that says something. I picked Jordan. You knew Jordan was going to take care of business. Jordan was just different. He's different, time. man. Different. He's, a, he's, he's just a, a different animal. One on one, LeBron's doing him dirty every time. Good thing it's a team game because that don't matter. All right. Yeah. Next Go question. Ahead. You guys are disrespectful. Three three zero for life. Okay. We'll move on because you guys are being ignorant. Okay. Here's the next the most dominant college or NFL program of the 2010 decade. Okay. I'm go- obviously coach holiday. You're going to start off and-, and kick this off, but this was pretty, this was really balanced. I like this one. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Patriots. You know, that, that era, this with Tom Brady and the guy, I mean, they, they won multiple Super Bowls. They were a dominant in the 2010s. I do appreciate Donnie picking a Kent state graduate as, as one of the dominant guys. So I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I go with the Patriots. I think there. I think everybody could. If I wanted to pick a college team, it would have been Alabama. If yeah, I wanted I to pick a pro team, it was going to be a Patriots. Absolutely. I think the beauty of the argument is looking at what is harder. And to me, that's why I went with the Patriots to win ten divisional titles, to have five Super Bowl appearances in that era, to win three of them. I don't know if that will ever be replicated in my lifetime in the NFL. Maybe the Chiefs. I respect what the Alabama has done at the college level, but I think you could sit here and say we could watch another team have the same success or dominance they had. Maybe Georgia, maybe somebody else. I don't know. I just Mm -hmm. think respecting at the highest level of the game and how hard it is, I don't know if I'll ever see another dynasty like the Patriots did in the NFL. That's the way I took it. Here's my thing, though. 
that's the Tom Brady era. That's Tom Brady. That mm. he left and look what happened. That is not mm. just the Patriots organ. Like that to me, that's that you should have put him as the most dominant player, but it was running backs. But at the end of the day, I think it's Tom Brady for them. Then he goes and wins one at Tampa, and then they suck now. That's more of just him being dominant. But the question was the 2010s, and I just had to get around. That's fair. I'm just letting you know what it is. All right, Uh, Alabama guys, make your case as to why maybe your minds picked Bama versus the Patriots. Donnie, go ahead. Crack them with this. Yeah, so I'd say this. For the Patriots, like, Ryan, I agree with you. That was – they had good players and good teams and obviously elite coaching. And then they had Tom Brady. They didn't have, I don't think, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, because some of this was before like I really got into football, but they didn't have like superstars all over the field, like a team like maybe the Chiefs have, or they had Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and they have some defense superstars. Like Patriots had some studs on there at one point or another, but like a lot of times it was just a good core football guys with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and they won. And so I look at it as like they dominated with that system plus Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Alabama won, what was it? They won five national championships. They've been to the playoffs or national championship eight times in that span. So 80% of the time they made it to the playoff for national championship. Six SEC titles, and they were 137 and 15 in those 10 years, which is wild. And I hate saying it because I just I don't like Alabama. But I think they did it in a, in a way – a show of dominance that was outside of the system. Like they did it with the players they had. Those dudes, like even when Ohio State played them in 2014 and beat them, like some of those guys, like Derrick Henry, <laughs> looked way different than Ohio State's players did. You know I mean, like Landon Collins looked way different than those guys did. When they played Notre Dame and cracked them on national TV in the championship game, they had no chance. And so it's just, I think, the dominance from the actual players in the aggression that they had rather than the system and then the greatness of one player, Tom Brady. That, and that was going to be my other argument with it is look at how many years they've done. They're not switching. They're switch Like Tom Brady's there. Who's mm-hmm. their quarterback those years? Alabama, how many players do you have to roll through throughout that 10-year period to continue to be that dominant in college when you know – most of their guys are staying two years. Tom Brady was there for 10. So that, that's why my argument is it just keeps reloading that Alabama, no matter whether the, they're always going to be in contention to win the national championship, they make it to the playoffs, no matter what. And, no, um, and still doing it. Here we are, 2020s, yeah. and they're still in it. It's a, hey, but hold on. Listen, the 2020 to 2030 most dominant team, this is what I'm saying, for or 2024, I would say, I would say, yeah, 2024 to 2034. When we are still on here in 10 years, I'm telling you, they're going to be the next one we're talking about for the decade is the Brownies. That's why we wore this. Today. What? That's why we wore this today. Oh, my goodness. Here, I, I will say, though, I really appreciate the conversation because I was worried coming in looking at it like, oh, my gosh, two people picked the Patriots, two picked Alabama. Of course, Trevor could say that. But you guys have a compelling argument. You really yeah. do. It is interesting to, to hear it. And if you think about it, like Alabama has built a blueprint for college football. And here we are, 2020s, and they're still in that mix where what you said, the Patriots have fallen off. So 
Maybe you guys are guys I'm, def- I'm definitely a closet Alabama fan. I, I grab a lot of stuff from Saban. Saban's a guru, and I had my coach at Kent State was a Saban disciple, so I'm definitely a Saban fan. And he's a Kent State graduate. Donnie, that, that, it just shows hey, that we're man. a little smarter as young guys. We're a little smarter. Oh, I don't know about that. My man yeah, just had the not, perfect not. segue. If we're going to talk gurus, let's get into the guru of the island life. Coach Holiday, you've coined this term island life, and it's based off the culture of your defense, right, and specifically that back end of the defense. And you're coming off a year where – Coach Stoughton, I know it best, and if Columbus doesn't know it best, they better go do some research quick. Where you had that island life on defense. You're coming off where you had one of the best defenses, in my opinion, the best defense in the state, giving up only eight points a game, 13-2 and overall record. you got to take away in that secondary from Craig from every senior in that group, right? Got to take away at one point. They lived that island life. Tell us what that means specifically and like how that relates back to the culture and the swagger and the attitude to that back seven, but then the defense in general, from your perspective and how that fits with your, what's the word, coaching style. Well, first things first, you talk about swagger and confidence. The one thing that we understand in the island life is that it can be lonely on that island. Mm. It can be lonely on that island at times and you got to have swagger and you got to have some type of fortitude to understand that things happen on that island so yeah so we we i do a lot of the coining terms when i was a running back coach it was running daylight for dbs it's the island life and we just we just work and the thing about it is i think that's one of the toughest positions on the football field and one of the reasons why is not because it is because of the technique but it's because you're either the hero or the goat you're either going to look real good or you're going to look real bad there's no in between it might be somebody didn't do their job or no one underneath didn't do their job. But, you know, and I think that's very important as far as just making sure that these kids understand that it's important that you are very technical as far as what you do. As a secondary, we really bust as far as the fundamentals. We hammer the fundamentals. We want these kids to understand angles. We want these to understand as far as shoulder in front of the shoulder, squeeze. Things like that. I can go on forever. I love coaching the secondary. I love coaching corners. I've had some great corner coaches in Kent State. I didn't coach, I didn't play a lot of secondary stuff in high school. And I will say this about Kent State, and Donnie, you'll probably smile. <laughs> we didn't win a lot of games when I was no, there. Yeah, we knew that. Close, close your mouth. Close your mouth. Close your mouth. Close your mouth. This dude uh, but, just but, lost but, his but dude I, an alley oop. He knew that was okay. coming. It's okay. It's okay. Let me finish what I'm going to say. So we didn't win a lot of games. But one thing that I will say about Kent State is we've had a lot. I've had, I've been around some great coaches. Like my position coach was Joe Woods. My position coach was Paul Haynes. You had Tony mm-hmm. Alford there too, right? And that Tony Alford was my running back. Mm-hmm. So I've had I've been around some guys that are still getting it done. They're great men. Number one, they're great men before they're coaches, but they're still getting it done. So I've had an opportunity to learn a lot from those guys and take that and use it on our guys. So with our corners and with our safeties, we I need guys to compete. I need guys to compete for the ball more than anything. We can talk about the tangibles and what they are and what they need to be as far as 
height and things like that. But I need guys that are going to compete and get after it. What's your number one drill for competing for the ball and getting after it then, Coach? You know what's funny? Is my number one drill as far as competing? We do one-on-ones. We do one-on-ones, and Coach Dawkins can say that. I can see that. We do one-on-ones almost every day. And a lot of it is not just because of learning tech. It's just competing, being able to compete, being able to work with another guy. And I wouldn't look at, I wouldn't look at when you get beat. I want to see what happens when you get beat. Are you mad about it? Are you upset about it? Or you let it go? And those are things that determine as far as where we're at and who you are as far as a person. I, I want to show some emotion if you get beat for a touchdown or get beat for a, a pass play. I want to see some emotion. I, want I, think all, I think all things aside, as I, I just think about our practice and our players, I think those are some of the most competitive periods of competing for the ball. And Absolutely. I think it has gotten better. And if you're a coach listening to this, take away the three, four X moves and blah, blah, blah jukes and make your offensive players actually run things you do in your offense and the defense does their thing, and you really do on both sides of the ball naturally get these situations where players have to compete for the ball and make a strong catch or swipe down or do something. I think that just from an offensive perspective, I think that was one of the best things we ever did is said, take away the crappy double juke type seven-second routes, and it really has led to a really good period since then of – both players on both sides have to be strong for the ball. I it's think the bare the bones of what we thing, need to do. I think the important thing is, like, with football, is, like, some of these drills are just getting too crazy. Yes. I think play football, right? If we just play football, you're going to get better at football, right? If you put them in that situation to do a one-on-one, they're going to they're gonna get better no matter what. I think that it's important that when you get to the point, I don't know if I show my age again, I'm walking to, to an apartment door. I'm knocking on the door. I'm asking if your son come out and play football. I think as close as you can get back to that essence of why you started playing football, as far as it's come on out here, the cable box is the touchdown. If we can get back to that. And I think that the one-on-ones and things like that gets you back to that. It's me against you. One-on-one. Let's see what happens. And like I said, we're not perfect. Plays are made. You might get beat. But are you emotional about it? Do you have a little swagger about it? Are you able to change and not get beat twice? So I just really love one-on-ones. And Coach Stout does a good job as far as working the one-on-ones and things like that. And I, I just think it gets down to bare bones. It gets down to why you started playing football. Why did you start playing football? What did you want to do? You wanted to compete. So, Coach, other than this competitive spirit and ability to make a play for the ball, what if somebody's listening and they want to evaluate their personnel, what else do you look at from a skill standpoint other than that to be the DB? Because, for example, I always talk about when I talk to people about offensive line play or the run game, it always goes back to fitting it to your personnel and talking about if you're going to run this scheme, this is what you have to have and you have to build around this personnel. So talk to us. What do you look for other than that competitive spirit in your DBs? Feet, eyes, and hands in that order. I think that sometimes as defensive backs, we forget about our feet. Our feet are so important. No feet in cement. We talk about those things. We drill those things. We want to make sure that we're very technical as far as what we do. 
We want to make sure our shoulder blades in front of the other other person's shoulder blades. We want to make sure that we're in between as far as where they want to go. They want to score. I want to be in between that. We talk about upfield shoulder. We hammer upfield shoulder because it's important for you to be there. Also, what we also talk about is just what happens when you get beat. What's the next step? What happens when a completion happens? What are you going to do? What play are you going to make? It's not over because it's a catch. You got to make a move and figure out what you're going to do after the fact. There's a lot of it's a lot of front forward and back forward as far as figuring out what's the next step that you're going to make after something happens. We obviously as coordinators, we you know, I don't want to cuss, but OS moment. What are we going? What's the next step? What are you going to do afterwards? So I really look at competitive spirit, obviously. I really look at guys that, that that want to compete, and I go back to the compete part because I just think that's the base and the essence of how you play defensive back because you can look silly out there, but you can look really good as well. And how do you handle those situations is very important. Coach, I got a question for you on the future, of mainly corner because I think safety is a little different, but mainly corner. Do you worry at all like when it comes to recruiting for some of these kids where – like I think back to a kid that I played with at Gahanna that was a really good corner, Raheem, who was a really good corner, but wasn't the tallest kid on the planet. And you look at college football now, like I look at Ohio State and the receivers they have, how good they are. And none of them are like Blazers, like Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming, Xavier Johnson. Like they're all taller, bigger guys. And so I guess my question is, do you worry for some of these corners that are really good athletes, but they're just not the, the size that is matching up with today's, even not just at Ohio State, at every level. Like you're seeing bigger, more physical, taller, more imposing receivers. Do you worry the future of recruiting for some of these kids that are that talented, but it's just the way college football is going and there's not a spot for them on a team that they want to go to or a level they want to go to? I do. I, I could tell you right now, Raheem is probably the best technical guy that, that I've ever coached. He was damn good, um, man. He was really good. good. He was really good. He had long arms, but he was only 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's just what it is. But you look at – you go to these openings, you go to these things, and most corners are like – look like basketball players. They're 6'2", six, 6'3", six, physical and things like that. I worry for the simple fact that the younger guys or the smaller guys have to be so technical to make mm-hmm. plays. They, they don't have those – God-given gifts as far as size and ability to really make plays. So I do worry about that. The thing about it is it's just important for these kids to understand that you got to just be – I go back to the competitive spirit. you got to be competitive as far as what you do. And I do worry about the little guys. And I was a little guy back then. I was 100 – Still are. Still still are a little bit. 155 pounds soaking wet. Beg for Kent State to put me at 160, and I just it maybe it's a little man complex. I don't know, man. It is what it is. <laughs> how much? How much, coach? Like I would say, percentage wise, like when you're planning your practices and they give you that much time, your time with your DBs, how much percentage is tackling worth of compared to ball drills? If you're you when you're competing, how much do you how much more do you emphasize? What do you emphasize more? Are you like 50 50 exactly split? You try to change it. What is more of an emphasis for your corners? My emphasis more is 64 is tackling. 
we put a premium as far as tackling. Because I think that if you're doing the tackling, I think that it provides you an opportunity to, as far as tackling and putting somebody on the ground is going to help you as far as playing technique as well. I think that's just my opinion. We do a lot of tackling. We do a lot of ball drills as well. Stout steals the balls. We don't have any footballs. We have a couple footballs and that's about it. He keeps them in his house. He doesn't provide a ball. We can get one or two on the defensive side of the ball. But this isn't even my fault. Oh, That's man. what's he, so he, mad. He locks up. I keep him in my house. Can I get He's one lying. ball? Can I get one? Can I get one ball? He's lying. Yeah. Donovan well, steals them too. I already know how do, it goes. I got to get one for the center. Just they one do. for the center. Yeah, one or two for the center. Man, but we got multiple. I, I think it's I think it's fifty fifty. I think it's fifty fifty. But I do kind of lean towards the tackling aspect of it because I just I think the mindset of anybody corner safety is to be physical. We're, and we're, it, so for you guys that you know, obviously I don't want to get too deep deep into your coverage schemes. But what would you say has been your most successful coverage? And then what? On the other hand, has been an unsuccessful thing as a DC you ran coverage wise that you just can like, hey, we object we're not able to do that. I know he's gonna say without ever talking about it. He's gonna say uh, man and cover too. I like this yeah, question. This is yeah. something I like this question. Yeah. You get say this, and I obviously don't want to disclose a lot, but zone and things like that, like eh, I don't know. It's been tough for to deal with it. We run three or four coverages, and that's about it. We don't try to deviate from what we're going to do. We, I tell Coach Stout that sometimes, most of the time, I tell him just to run his stuff. I want these kids to word understand their rules and know their rules and know how to handle stuff. I want to put these kids in a bind. I want them putting the kids in a bind and figure out how to do things, how to figure it out, how to communicate, things like that. So there's a lot of times where I tell Stout just run what he wants to run and he chomps at the bit. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. Here we go, man. I can put whatever I want out there. And I'm okay with it. Coach. It was a teachable listen, moment. Fact of the matter, Stout lies about what he's going to run all the time. Absolutely. Last year, he I told me he was not going to motion. I have oh. proof that he sent that text message, <laughs> but I lost the text message. I literally told him what we lined up in. He said he wasn't running motion, and last year he runs motion literally right at the seven off. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you this, man. I love it, man. And I told so, so last year. You're going to ignore that? Ignoring it. I'm going to tell you right now by July, when we see you at the seven on seven, you better be ready for a multitude of personnel in a multitude of motions. I am. This year we are ready. But here's the I'm telling you, because I told you that last time, too. I told you what we're going to line up in. Stop. Anyways, let's. can we keep the keep it to this and now, okay? <laughs> hey, all I'm going to say. I just know what happens to my dude, Mo, because he, I know. He's the decent. No, I love it. Listen, when Mo tells me I get to run our stuff, I love it. Because I try to throw him a lot of different things. I That's try to make it hard for him. They get their licking their lips. But licking on the lips. flip side. But last but like year, that. last year, Mo's defense was phenomenal, and it was definitely the strength of our team. And I just remember the frustration of our kids in June and July, and we went to team camp, and 
they are pressuring us like no other and throwing a lot of movement and things at us. And I kept telling our players and our staff that in the end, this would all work out as a positive for us, right? Mm -hmm. Fact that we were put into such a pressure cooker so early all summer that in the end, it would make us a lot better. And it did as we grew through it. And I think by us playing games against each other and competing against each other, there's certain weeks he'll ask me to run something particular. And there's certain times I'll ask him to. And then there's times where I'll just say, throw it at us, do your best, run what you want to. And we do it and we see what happens. And I think it, from the very get go, it puts our kids in very tough situations rather than sitting in a vanilla look. Coach, yeah. I think that's like a great way to do it because defense for me, like obviously right now we finally have the kids to do that, right? Like we go a green and gold team. So now we just compete the whole time. Like no matter what, run your stuff, offense, defense, we're going to line up and we're running and let's figure it out. Learn how to work with the young guys. We just got best on best each day. And I think you guys would do obviously a phenomenal job. Nothing, um, nothing but teachable moments, man. When we seen you guys at the seven on, I told all our coaches, we said Gahanna's is going to be a very good football team. And last year, you guys obviously did that. I got an interesting question. And Mo, this is something I never asked you, but just from an offensive perspective and the way I see the game, why don't more teams run that boundary corner cowboy blitz? Because in my opinion, I think it's very effective at taking away a lot of the boundary run game. I think they're, to me, as we talk, and I used to talk with Coach Culver about this, I used to try to give nuggets on how you could try to confuse the offensive line with your blitz scheme and things. Why don't more teams run it? I agree with that. I think that it's tough to account for a corner coming off the edge initially at the start. And we do it from time to time, but I think that I think the RPO, I think that the more quarterbacks are more advanced. I think quarterback, quarterback and receiver are more in tune as far as understanding when that's happening. I think it's important that when you do it, that you're very smart as far as when you do it. It has to be a great situation because as defensive corners, we don't want to give up edges. We don't want to we don't want to give up that outside edge, and we definitely don't want to give up a corner off the edge and have some situations happen you look at St. Ed's so I think that I think that has a lot to do with it but I do think that it is a tool that a lot of defensive corners should use but you gotta have some cojones man you, you, I'll, you I'll try and make it's that risk reward thing right on defense that's Absolutely. life for us that's we're reactionary you know, we're a reactionary issue. team we're a reactionary defense we're gonna react to what you do and anytime we can get an advantage we will and I agree. Sometimes you just don't make the right call on defense. And that's just life. And sometimes you get beat. And I try to tell my kids that, my player, my coaches that. You just get beat sometimes. I, I tell my coaches and my kids that there's probably eight to nine maybe situations where I call the right defense and it, and it makes a play. The other times, you're going to have to go by your rules. You're going to go by your rules. And how many and I, plays I, are you defense in the game on average? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple times where I, I – and I'm owning up to it. Like, I own up to it to my mistakes. Hey, man, I made the wrong play, but we got to make up for it. Just like you guys make. Just like situations happen like that. So, I tell them that. I said, there's probably eight to nine. It's a little high, but there's eight to nine times where I call the right 
play for the right offensive situation. Any other time, you got to follow your rules and do what you have to do. You got to do what you were coached to do. That's physical. I tell the kids all the time, being physical and running to the football makes up for a lot of mistakes that are made on the football field. Bottom line. Live to Bottom fight line. another down. We ain't talking about X and O's. I'm not talking about scheme and things like that. Being physical and running to the football makes for a lot of mistakes that you make on the football field. And I make sure that they understand that. It's just that simple. Coach, this is a little less DB thing, but I think it is definitely one of your specialties. Talk to me about the process. What is it? How do you define it? How do you teach it? It's definitely become a a part of a culture of our team and definitely your defense. What is what does the process look like for players? What does it look like for coaches? If you had to take a moment to teach the process, the floor is yours. Basically, what we're saying is if we concentrate on our jobs, we'll be successful against any opponent. I worry about the backstory is I went to obviously Kent State, and after two years, Coach Pease came in as the head football coach, and Coach Pease was Nick Saban's first defense coordinator at the University of Toledo. And I remember coming into the office and sitting down and he had, we used to have a little schedule board and he put tape on every opponent. And we walked in, man, what is he doing? Like, why is he putting all these tape over? And he said, it doesn't matter as far as your opponent. It matters what you do on a day-to-day basis. What you do on a day-to-day basis will give you an opportunity to be at the table. Now, that's not necessarily going to say that you're going to win a football game, but it's going to put you at the table. So that's where I got the process as far as process over product. We're going to we're gonna make sure, and it's the intervention specialist thing too, we're going to make sure we chunk the information down. We're going to break the information down so kids understand exactly what their responsibility is. Do you not teach just or teach football just like you teach your intervention class just because it just makes so much more sense? It makes a lot of sense. Hmm. It makes a lot of sense. I'm you the know? same way. I love being an intervention specialist because I take what I do in the classroom and what I've learned in there that I teach our kids in there, it's right to the football field the same way. And I teach the same way. It's just no roof. You don't have a roof. That's the only difference. And we chunk information out, information down, and make sure that they guys understand exactly what their responsibility do. So the process for us, as far as the defense, is what you do on seven-man what you do in the weight room, what you do academic-wise, what you do outside of academics. That's the process. It has to be important to you. It has to be something that's very important to you that you're in the best best time into. So that's the process with us. We believe that we break down everything to the finite points as far as what you need to do. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily give you wins, but it gets you at the table. After we get at the table, then that's on you as far as as far as winning and things like that. But we, I just want to get you at the table. Once you get to the table, we got to work. So we want to make sure, and talking about the chunking information, we want to make sure our kids are confident as far as when they go Friday or Saturday. We've seen a lot of kids that were very talented but couldn't handle the lights. We had a lot of kids that were not as talented, but they were able to handle lice and they were better. So what the process is not worrying about the the opponent and really just worrying about what you do on a day-to-day basis. 
I tweet out during the season, Monday through Thursday takes care of Friday. Friday is a celebration of what you did Monday through Thursday. And I really, truly believe that. I truly believe that if you take care of Monday to Thursday, you're at the table, and then you obviously will have success. I just want to I, I just want to always walk off the field with my head up high saying that we did the most we did to be successful. And, 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 and that's the and that's the process. Can I ask a question that's been pretty controversy or controversial o- over time for me as a head coach, as well as like some of my other coaches I've talked to? Seven on seven, do you think that it creates some bad habits on defense? Absolutely. I Love think it's seven on seven. Absolutely. <laughs> I think as both offensive defensive guys, I just want to talk about that. Bring it up. I've had. I had a little thing on Twitter. Maybe you see it the other day. Like, I've had multiple guys. I like three. Three. I want three and no more. I think that, obviously, 707, it has some benefits and its weakness. I think one thing that we – the run aspect of it, safeties. I think safeties struggle with 707 because they don't have a run read. They're not reading that pane of glass that we talk about. I think that that kind of causes you to stay back a little bit. So – I do seven on seven as a benefit for some, but I think if you give if you have too much seven on seven, I think that it, it does cause bad habits and then makes you go back to day one and go and back. What makes to, me scared is what if we could start on defense and the offense? That would love this in run game instead mm-hmm. of starting pass game in the summer. Yeah. I just think I think seven on seven has a time and place. I think it helps develop chemistry and timing, and you learn some things. But just from the offensive perspective, there's nothing that keeps the second level defenders honest. They instantly scream and try to jump under or get to whatever they're at. You can do one step read, um, and it still don't matter though. Right. And so I I try to. I try to tell our kids to have a realistic perspective in 7-7. You will not complete every ball. Like, you're not going to complete every ball. The windows are going to be smaller. I honestly, in 7-on-7, more times than not, just look for assignments and decision-making, and are you trying to put the ball where it needs to go? If that ball goes where it needs to go and it's getting into that tight window, even if we necessarily sometimes don't get the catch, I can see that there's success there because we understand within our offense where we're trying to get it to. I know there's going to be ways to manipulate those holes. Like we can play action. We can do some different things. We can give you a heavier formation or something uh, to make it more favorable on our end. Seven-on-seven, to me, is a lot like Uh, one-on-ones or O-line, D-line, where I think the advantage is the defense. They all know you just look for them to work. I'm glad glad I'm here, Sarah. There we go. go. I'm not saying it's No bull rush. What you guys have to do is back up. Oh, our guy's bull rush. Hey, how about the time? Let's talk about – no Let's talk about the rush. number of times Mirage tries to put eight guys in coverage. You're talking crazy. I do not do that. That's you have three do things. As I, I had one linebacker blitz. Mirage. Every you're time. a lie, Stout. Some days you do a good job at it. And some no, days I, it's seven on yeah. eight. Let's be realistic right now. You have three things to do as an O-lineman in one-on-one. One first thing, back up. 
and get and retreat. Second oh, let thing, let him talk. Yep. Maybe <laughs> me... shoot your hands. Third thing, keep your post foot. You okay. guys have it easy. Yeah. Easy. Okay. That's such a shallow. Easy. That's such a shallow argument for defense right, and one on ones because in a normal football situation, just seven on sevens, right? Like in seven on sevens, everybody knows it's passed, but there's more in depth things You're for it to help the defense or offense. In one on ones, it's literally the defense doesn't have to adjust to play action to stopping the run to stopping a pole coming through. They know it's run. There is no quarterback that's moving. It's just I have to beat him one on one. And the alignment gets the O line. They know the same thing. Yeah, but the O line playing O line in game, you get You're so much. Your argument, your, your argument, step. Sayers is so shallow and so oh. raw. It's wild, but I digress. It's wild, and you I know will, it. You I know it. Say, a guy. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's it becomes just, you know, a little bit rest. more balanced when we're allowed to have shoulder pads on. Yeah, I agree. When we can yeah. have that. I, I think it becomes a little bit more balanced. I agree with you, Coach Sayers. Right now. Yeah. Everything is clearly favoring the defense. All you have to do is that's put a post put post foot out there and back up. That's such a shallow. Oh my god! Moving on, get it out. I'm done with this. I'm done with you. Have no rest to call a hold. Say no. you sound. You got to stop. You're embarrassing yourself. You're, no, I, you're no, embarrassing yourself. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you're like retreat, retreat. Oh, it's hard. Hey. <laughs> I had one more. I had one more X's and O's question, then we can wrap this up. Coach, how do you train defensive backs to play the deep ball today in an era that seems to favor offenses and increased pass interference calls? We've coached together over the years. I, I swear, I think there are some teams that will just throw verts for the prayer of we'll catch it or maybe they'll call a pass interference. And there are yeah. so many times that I feel like we've all seen those bogus pass interference calls where we feel like it just extended the game. What are you coaching? How do you train it? How do you coach your DBs to maybe play in an area that I think we could all argue probably favors the offense? For us, I mean, we just we break it down. We talk about shoulder blades in front of the shoulder blades. We look about lean. We look about showing your hands and things like that. I'm a little old school in that as well. You know, we squeeze to the sideline with our body. We don't – we, we want to show our hands. And passing friends is happening. There's a lot of actors out there, a lot of receivers that get Academy Awards as far as acting – as far as the pass interference calls. But we, we try to really hammer down as far as the technical aspect of it, as far as squeezing with our bodies and getting our hands together and things like that. Obviously, you look at the film last year, there was a lot of times where guys are falling over themselves, tripping over themselves, and trying to get a P.I. call. The P.I. is not going to go away. It's going to be what it is. I saw this chat, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And we're in a tough situation and a tough job. And we're going to be technical, technically sound and get our shoulder plays in front of the shoulder plays, look and lean, squeeze, get our hands up and try to make a play on the ball. But it, it has been increasingly worse as far as the pass interference calls. I appreciate you putting that post out there or saying that coached out. There's been increasingly a lot of uh, little bogus PI. I love it. Tonight provided just a couple different opportunities to talk 
some different things I, that we don't even talk about at football. Like we've never sat and had this conversation on the practice field. It's just interesting to sit Look down and, and think lean. about what you want to ask. And so I, I love it, man. Looking lean, man. We, like I said, a lot of the things that I've taught or learned is from college and it's a little old school, but I think it's effective and, We've had an opportunity last year to have some guys that make some plays and things like that and go from there. I remember, Ryan, you talking about Zay a couple of days. Listen, this man, dude man. was heated. Listen, Next he was, he was morning, he was hot. Sayers, he instantly heard what you said about hot. Zay and about Gahanna, and hot. I had a text when I woke up. <laughs> hey, he's hot. You know how it is, man. Zay was a great kid, and – we had to work on some different things and things like that. And I'm trying to go, I'm going away, but this, the secondary and that group was a really good group. That group also needed to understand that it's not just the physicality and this is just not the technique wise, it's the mental part of it. And that group at times is early. We put them out there early. We put them out there sophomore year. We put them out there sophomore year and we said, listen, we're going to put you out there. We're going to see what you do and you're going to take your lumps now. Because we expect with your talent that you're going to be successful in the next two years. And Zay was a part of that as well. And don't understand that it's just not about being very talented. You got to have the mental part of it. We got to, I got to be able to trust you to understand what you're supposed to do. I got to be able to have a connection with you that, you know, what I ask you to do, you're going to do. And some of them struggle with that. And at the time, and as they grew and understand what's going on, they got it. And we knew they were, we knew they were going to be good later on, but yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. I'm rambling a little bit and going off the tangent, but that group was very special. And Zay was, is, I will say this about Zay. Technique wise, Zay was probably one of the really good corners I've coached. Technique-wise. Zay was one of the kids that I was – I just loved. The mental part was work in progress. He worked so hard. He did a great job for us. And guess what? He wore Northland Vikings football helmet for He those. did. You gave him a bucket, though. You gave him a bucket. You gave him a bucket. A helmet's a helmet. If you want to play football and you love the game of football, right, like you were talking about earlier, hey. Coach. Hey, listen to me, man. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. He got clowned as far as the bucket, but I actually went to the game and I said, what's up to Zay? We, said, we went to the game. We went to the game. Thank you. We saw the hat, helmet and I like Zay, man. He's a good dude, man. Just but, like when we make posts about it and both of us are in the picture, you tag it and it's a we. So thank you for throwing me under the rug. Are you He's one of my favorite man? kids. That's a fact. And he brought the helmet up today. I love seeing him. Hey, I, I tagged Mo. Can you believe this? Can you imagine you and your best friend go to a game? You put up a post. You tag him. He puts up a post. He doesn't tag you. <laughs> I just That's didn't add you to it. It wasn't like my bad. Defensive man. guys ain't that. So we don't worry about feelings out here. We just try to get after him. <laughs> and post our post. My That's bad, it. man. That's all I got. I will say that Stout is my guy, man. And, and we've developed a relationship and. I, I, I had to Jerry Maguire him back to come to Gehanna because he was acting all funny, talking about giving me percentages, Sayers. He's mm -hmm. giving percentages. Well, I'm about 30%. I'm about 10%. 
It was a hard choice, man. I was happy where I was. Get out of here, I was man. happy where I was. I honestly loved what we were doing in Pickerington. Hey, uh, when I left Pick, it made it easy. He was out after that. It, it definitely, it was all him. But it's funny because the coaches, I think half of our coaches have things. Mo and I hate each other. I think most of our players think we hate each other. But I think, honestly, it's just – it's such a competitive thing. I think both I of us – Kyle, what was Love that each other. For us, Midge. Yeah. Please think, think we hate each other still. To this, uh, we just—I mean, we go at each other, and I think at the end of the day, it's just because we're guys that just want to win. We my, know together we can do it. That was my guy, man. We were together before COVID hit, before the curfew hit. We sat at his house and sat in the little area, and you know, was hanging out. And before the COVID hit, I said I had to get be—I had to get home. COVID is about to happen. Yeah, sitting, sitting eight feet away from each other. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. The COVID was on the way, man. I had to get. All right, man. Let's wrap this thing up. This was great, though. Let, let's wrap it up. Sayers, wrap this thing up. First off, Coach Holiday, we appreciate you. It's always much love this way. We, all three of us, got a lot of respect for what you do and your coaching abilities. I know you've been an awesome mentor, somebody that. I could come to talk to. I know these guys can talk to at all times. You've just been a great guy since the day I've met you. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate you hopping on here. But anybody looking for an opportunity to make some money for their program, make sure you contact my dude, Brett Maxwell. Happy birthday, mm -hmm. Fundraising University, Ohio. Make sure you hit him up. And then next week, we have another special episode for you guys. You guys will uh, be able to see that midweek when Coach Stout starts posting the, the previews for the episode. We're not going to spoil it. I spoiled it, like, what, the third week or something like that. I'm not going to do it again. I keep saying I'm not going to spoil it. I want, I, want to, I want to, but I'm not going to. But, everybody, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Always follow us on 614. Download our stuff. We appreciate it. Hey, that's to finish it up, man. Look, call to action. We need you to retweet. We need you to download. We need you to rate. We need you to comment. I think we've done a great job building what we've started. We've got a bunch of great new equipment in, thanks to Fundraising University. And we're really excited to have the ability to build a studio in the future to be able to all three of us be in here with guests that call in. And uh, we got a little something that works where we're going to go meet with someone really big mm -hmm. here in July. We can't wait to put that content out. So cool. thanks, everybody. Everybody have a great 4th of July as it comes up, hopefully. And uh, one love. Appreciate you guys having me, man. The thing about it is I appreciate you guys having me. 614 Heads Test is very important. I think it's important as far as just having, just talking ball, man. We're football coaches that want to talk ball and, I think it's very important. I appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully, like I said, it's not the last time, Style. Don't be acting funny, man. Uh, I need man. to be on here again, man. Me and my man, Sayers, got to chop it up, man. That's my guy. Hey, wait till the big get-together coming up soon. We're going to have absolutely, one. Absolutely. We're chewing absolutely. on a little 614 event where we invite everybody in. And I think we're going to do something at the state clinic next year. We've got some and good I'm gonna ideas. And I'm going to block off those section, Coach Holiday. I'm going to put a little some things that we got to make sure we meet, though. Let's chop it up, man. Let's chop it up. And think about it is obviously Donovan, I coach you, and obviously mm -hmm. Coach Coach Stout. We're good buzz, man. We're out. We're good friends outside of football. And Coach Shares, I've had an opportunity to meet you, man, a couple times, man. And we've chopped up and things like that, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here, man. And 
this is a good deal and keep it rolling. Don't this is something that is needed. It's, it's therapy for coaches to be able to just talk football and just shoot the stuff and go from that. So I appreciate you guys having me. Appreciate you being on, coach. Thank you.